This is a Hoff Studios podcast. Hi, friends. Welcome back to the Mom Curious podcast. This is Daniela Rabani. I am joined by a new friend, Lauren Vagnine, who is an internationally known healer and speaker. She has the most incredible story, and I have been learning so much about health and wellness and the nervous system from her. Lauren Vagnine, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Oh my gosh. Can I just, can we just take a moment? Because this is a moment for me because I'm obsessed with you. (laughs) And I just think, yeah, I've been, I'm just so excited to have this chat. I feel like we're going to talk for a long time. Well, I would love to know, as I, I, I ask everyone these days, who are you today? We have all your credentials down below. Um, you're a wildly impressive person, but I'm wondering who are you today? Um, since we change all the time, don't we? All the time. Yeah. Who am I today? Wow. That's a really good question. Um, so I'm a mama (laughs) to start. Um, Mm. and I am a person who has gone on a wild healing journey and now tries to facilitate that level of transformation for others. So I guess like if we're not shelling it, that's who I am today. Yeah. Do you want to tell people about your, your journey from, I mean, from being, would we call it handicapped? I mean, in a wheelchair, I mean, yeah, unable disabled. to really. Yeah. Disabled. To, I mean, really powerful and strong in your body and in your mission today. Would you walk us through some of that? I know that there are other podcast episodes you have your own actually your own podcast which is really amazing and so there's there are resources but just to orient ourselves into what that epic healing journey looked like specifically for you yeah absolutely um yeah and I love talking about it because it doesn't matter how many times I've said the story every new podcast is a new opportunity Mm. to reach people that haven't heard it And I love to give people Mm. who are listening, who are struggling with the health or or any aspect of their life where, you know, that's not completely in alignment. I love to give them that hope and faith that there really is an opportunity for a deep transformation. So I was diagnosed with juvenile rheumatoid arthritis when uh, just before my second birthday. And Mm. it was 1986 at the time. And Mm -hmm. so there weren't many treatment options. And the only treatment option that was available was steroids, oral steroids. And the top pediatric rheumatologists of the time were suggesting that um, giving very high doses of oral steroids very early on would quote unquote knock it on the head. So this is what they were treating all children with. And my mum just had this intuition. Now she had no prior experience or education in holistic healing, alternative or complementary therapies. She had no education in anything. My mom and dad both left school at 15. My dad's from Morocco. My mom's from from the East end of London. Um, Like really, you know, but she had this intuition 
this niggle that she she calls it a niggle that guided her to say no to this treatment (laughs) and so she took herself to the library and came out three days later having decided she studied everything she looked at everything there from arthritis to autoimmune diseases steroids you know the pharmaceutical options everything and just decided upon homeopathy it just felt intuitively right for her and then there were all these signs all these things that happened that presented presented itself to my dad also who's really not one for signs or anything a little bit esoteric he's uh, he's a little bit better Mm. now I've I've kind of learned him um but (laughs) he um so they they decided on homeopathy and the doctors told them that they were mad they called my mum a bad mother on many occasions they told her that I was going to end up with joint deformities end up needing joint replacements um and a whole bunch of other stuff and then what happened was 15 years later these rheumatologists actually had to apologize they had to issue a statement of apology because it was the wrong thing and actually what happened was the intense side effects on these tiny children's bodies over the course of years and decades ended up leading to um secondary conditions so these all these children were the ones getting um, joint deformities and needing joint replacements and their hormones were messed up and then as we got older the girls weren't getting this, their horm- their periods and it was one thing after another then they got put on another medication and another and another some of them died and I went to I used to go to a weekly group these are hydro- friends well yeah like we went to hydrotherapy classes <laughs> together every week and um <sighs> you know so you, you grow up knowing these people and something my mum and I noticed, like we started noticing that I was different, that next to my school friends, I still had arthritis. The homeopathy wasn't curing me, which I'll get to in a minute. Um, but it was keeping my body strong. It was keeping my immune system strong. Um, it was keeping my joints strong, even though my body was still releasing inflammation because my parents, there was no access to internet. My parents were literally doing the best they could. And, you know, they took me to a homeopathic Mm -hmm. dietitian. They literally took all the money that they had which was not not much at all for my treatments and but they didn't have the missing pieces about diet and nutrition and lifestyle factors environmental factors any of that so I wasn't cured I wasn't as bad as the other kids so I couldn't do like soft play parties and roller skates parties with my school friends but next to the arthritis kids you could see that I was different so we knew that we were doing the right thing some of them even had shorter limbs so their arms looked shorter and this was all from the steroids and I looked normal and you know anyone who's had anything in their childhood will know how important it is to a child and a teenager to look normal so um I was diagnosed mm-hmm. with and an beautiful eye- thank you <laughs> that's very kind of you to say <laughs> um I was diagnosed with an eye condition a year after the arthritis was diagnosed which is an associated condition called uveitis it's inflammation in the eye and that was harder to control um so I had a lot of trauma with that I would have to you know I'd have big flare-ups like at the age of seven I had a week stay in hospital where they had to inject steroid into the eye and you know I had to go through things like that where you know I had my knees drained and had steroid injected into my knees and um so there was a bit of trauma it wasn't easy but it wasn't awful it, it could have been worse um, but when I got to and my high school years were great. They were kind of my best years. I maybe had one flare up a year and I was just so happy to be able to be normal. And then I got to performing arts school at 17 and I had this huge flare up 
Um, yeah, that's our connection. Um, and mm-hmm. I had this huge flare up. I couldn't do, we were about to do um, a chorus line and I wanted to audition for one of the main parts. And as we were going through the audition process, we, I couldn't, um, my knees just swelled up and I was on crutches because I couldn't bend my knees. So I couldn't do the audition. And I got a part in the chorus of a chorus line. <laughs> and uh, ironically enough, and that was kind of the <laughs> beginning really of, of the really hard times. So um, what had, we went back to the, the, the ophthalmologist who said, aside from what was happening with the joints, my eye, after all these years of inflammation and all these years of steroid eye drops, had grown cataract over cataract over cataract. And it was pushing against the optic nerve and it was pushing the pressure down so low and it was really dangerous. So they couldn't operate while the inflammation was so high, but they needed to operate to take the cataracts out. So they were like, you need to go on this chemo drug. You don't have a choice. You have to do it now. There's no time. You're going to lose your eye. Um, so I was like, okay, great. Give it to me now. You know, what's this homeopathy done for me my whole life? Look where I'm at. I'm an adult. I'm going to make this decision. And my parents really didn't want me to do it but I took the drug. Before taking the drug, I had arthritis in four joints, my knees and my ankles. Within 10 months of taking it, the arthritis spread to every joint in my body. Um, So literally from my jaw down to my toes, by the end of the 10 months, I couldn't I couldn't walk, which was the least of my problems. I couldn't bend my elbows to bring food to my mouth. I couldn't grip cutlery. I couldn't chew food. I couldn't sit up straight. Like I was head to toe disabled and there was no difference in the eye. So they still couldn't operate. So my mum wheels me in to my rheumatologist in a wheelchair, which is not a normal occurrence, but she didn't bat an eyelid. And both of us noticed that she barely looked up. And I was like, oh, this is normal for her. She's expecting this. No, this is not what I want for my life. She told me that the drug works for 70% of people and for 30% it doesn't work for. And I just, I was 18 years old and I just had this deep inner knowing that there was so much more to what makes a human body work and not work than statistics. And there must be more to what makes some medications affect some people worse than others than statistics. There must be more to all of it than that. So I decided in that moment, I was going to find those answers and that disability wasn't going to be my story. Wellness was. So I went on a very long, very winding, very arduous journey before the internet was really a thing. This was 2002, I think. And I set about to go and find the answers to what makes a human body and mind work or not work and it took me 10 years it took me a whole decade and I went through every modality you can imagine with homeopathy very much coming back in to the scene um and I taught myself everything from nutrition and the physical side of it and worked with osteopaths and you know learn everything I could about nutrition, studied nutrition, became a nutritionist, and I still wasn't fully better. I mean, I was on the road to it. And then I was like, okay, so what's happening here? And then I realized that I needed to go another level deeper. So I realized I needed to then go into the mindset side of things. What was my brain doing? 
I needed to talk myself out of or train myself out of disability thinking. I needed to operate from the identity of the healthy person, not the disabled person, which is really hard, by the way, because I've never known anything different. And then I had to take it one step further. I had to it's really hard, even if you are healthy, by the way. Absolutely. Yeah. There are healthy, able-bodied people who have a very hard, genuinely hard time uh, living from a place of strength of mind and character. It's hard. Lauren was just blowing her nose like a regular person, guys. And we paused for a second. She said, it's gross. I said, no, it's not gross. Because you know what? You're human. You're a healthy human with a cold. And that's okay. Promise, I'm a promise. healthy human See? with a raging cold. Um, so excuse me if I sound a bit, um, yeah, snotty and I look a bit snotty. But hey, yes, I'm a human. But I've got but, all my you know, supplements they're... and all my bits to dose me up. You know, it's like, it's kind of an amazing um, opportunity, actually just to remind ourselves that like even the coaches, even the healers, even the guides, even even having gone from a wheelchair at your wedding to like absolutely like athletic and having two children and having a cold happens, you know, like I think there's like some beautiful, there's like a beautiful nugget of truth for us all to enjoy which is that we are all so human that's actually part of your magic you know and I was like li listening I've been listening to your story and thinking your mother had this sort of like intuitive witchy quality that I I wish for all mothers I really do to know that way to know in her deepest knowing what is right for her child even I don't know how she had the confidence I don't know how I don't know how God bless her. And that you've taken that torch and, you know, uh, really parented from that place and, and teach from that place of like intuitive, witchy, strong, uh, female power. I just think it's so incredible. And that we could be that sort of high-minded self and our regular sister self who's holding our hand and being like, I got some... I, I got I got to blow my nose, you know, like this is, <laughs> yeah. this is like, this is the, the magic, you know, and nothing will bring this is you the back. healing force, I think nothing will bring you back to being human like motherhood does either. <laughs> that brings all your stuff to the surface, you know? Yeah, no, my mom, my mom yes, I was, do. is amazing. And I don't know how she how she kept that strength with all those people around her, you know, authoritative figures telling her she was a bad mother and my joints would be damaged. How did she not believe them? Just mm -hmm. intuitive, intuitive pull. And she stuck with it. And, and I will be forever grateful for that because I think that saved my life, really. Hmm. I mean, that's the power of a mother. I really do believe that to save a life like that. I, I remember when I was, um, in the first days of motherhood, I had a baby nurse. I don't talk about it very often because it was really so horrible for me. And I had sort of like outsourced my knowing to this person because people always said, you know, if you can have help, if you can hire help, please do, especially postpartum. But I knew that I wanted to do things differently than this woman had sort of quote unquote let me. And I, when I listened to you about the story about your mother, I just think like, how could 
I hear this and take it on as mythology for my own self, that I am, I am made of this archetype of mother too, that like, yes, I had a period of time with this baby nurse with, and, and others, you know, I think, I think your strength in that sort of knowing and standing up for your kid and standing up for yourself can waver as it did for me in, the, in those early days. I was like, I, I hated that experience so much. But I can take this experience or this story about your mom and I can remind myself that I am the archetype of mother too, you know, and, and that the listener also can can be reminded of that. You have the 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 good fortune of having that experience like about you. But but I'm sure there are like lots of times where we're met with people who think they know better. And maybe they do on some level, but no one knows any any more about my child than me. Absolutely. I think that is the most important thing that any mother can know. Um, because there is something there. I, I believe there is some mystical, magical, unknown, like thread of knowledge that extends from the child to the mother and from the mother to the child and you know that comes from somewhere else that's coming from up there you know from source energy where that isn't given to anyone else that isn't given to your doctor about your child or even your mother about your child it's given to you as the mother and 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 we've all felt that we've all felt those moments like you just said where we know something's wrong and we follow the advice because there's so much pressure around us and and we doubt ourselves that's the thing we do as women as well so much we doubt our connection Mm. to our intuition and this kind of divine feminine work I'm so involved in this is what has helped me build that strength of that intuition so deeply because then Mm. you never doubt yourself you know fully when you have a knowing that is it you can't question it that is it and I've had those moments so much in the last few years where I'm just like I can't explain why we have to do this but this is the way it is when you say you've been delving into the divine feminine can you explain to us what that means I I noticed that in men in your certifications aside from I think it's CBT nutrition EFT you did mention the divine feminine and I'm wondering I sort of understand that as a an idea but I don't I don't know that as a practice So it's a practice almost like I'm not a priestess. I haven't done that sort of qualification or anything like that. But it's a a study of the the divine essence of the feminine. So learning all about goddess mythology, the history of the oppression of women, Mm. our connection to our intuition and where that stems from and how we connect back to that and the practices we can use to connect back to that just knowings connecting back to the knowing you have as a woman like the intuition is the sacred gift of the feminine and it's been just completely um i guess bashed out of us over the past ten thousand years people think it's five thousand mm-hmm. years since religion i think it's really since the advent of agriculture where men started to own women before that it was very much women were revered women in the tribe were known for their sacred intuition and the men would go to them to be guided you know and over Mm. the past ten thousand years that's 
with every passing year, every passing decade and century, we've lost more and more access to that. And so I try through my work and, and, and my work is a very kind of holistic approach that involves kind of every aspect of self. But one of the things I try to do working with women is to help them connect back to their intuition, because I truly believe everything begins there. If you're sick and you're trying to heal yourself, the answers are there. The, we, know, we know how to heal our bodies and our minds. The answers are there. We just need to be guided to those answers. But we don't let ourselves because we don't trust ourselves enough. So when we can get back to that deep trust, we've been, and that trained, deep not inner to. We've been trained not to exactly. I, do, I just think it's so amazing that you, of course, you, you are the prime example of, of pain to purpose. But you're also the conduit of this um, teaching around divine feminine and intuition because firsthand your mother saved your life because yeah. of her feminine maternal intuition and it's not just that it was like her intuition she thought oh no the steroids are going to be a bad idea she stuck with it that's yeah. the other thing that i do think as we as we mentioned we've been trained out of listening to our intuition so we hear it it'll come to us Mm -hmm. But it took your mother time, years, years, and sometimes with with regressions or, you know, um, no progress being made or or whatever, more people telling her she's not doing a good job. I mean, it took her years of being devoted to her maternal instinct. Yeah. Even when her parents, life. even when her parents, my grandparents were saying, you know, you've got to do what the doctors say. And, you know, my dad kind of lost his resolve there a bit. And yeah, she's, she's, she's fierce. She's a fierce one. She's our, she's our muse, huh? So she's our muse, can you, yeah. Can you bring us back? Can you bring us back to the, I don't know, is it a resolution or is it a continued process of healing for you? Yeah. So, um, it was in a way a resolution. I think it's always a continued process and, and I'm always maintaining my remission. Um, I don't even like the word remission because it kind of um, is a connotation that it, it, it might return and it could. I'll always have an underlying autoimmune disease, but essentially it took me a decade of every of healing my body from the root cause and healing the whole self. What I realized was that if you want to heal one part of you, you have to heal all of you. So I mentioned that I went through the physical. I did, the physical was perfect, right? I had all the supplements, all the nutrition, everything, was, you know, I had that down. And then it was the mental, the neuroplasticity, the brain training, the rewiring those neural pathways mm. out of that disability thinking into abundance consciousness, into a healing mentality. And then it was the emotional. Let's heal all that trauma. Let's peel away even more onion layers. You know, what's lurking underneath a childhood with illness you know all that trauma that, that's then on mm. you know piled on top of everything else that's happened what happened before I was two that made it happen let's go back and heal that as well you know physically and environmentally and all the things that contributed it let's go back even further was there stuff that happened in past lives is there ancestral stuff lurking there so I got into neuroplasticity and I got into epigenetics and I got into everything you can imagine um Yes, I qualified in some things. Most of it was self-taught. I always say, you know, I'm a qualified nutritionist, but by that point I had always followed a more holistic 
route to nutrition. So when I studied mainstream nutrition, I just didn't even agree with most of it. So <laughs> um, all these mm-hmm. kind of journeys, most of it was self-taught. And so, and then I always say that spirituality, so, you know, we had the, the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual, but the spiritual was the icing on the cake, the stuff that solidified all the other stuff. I, I don't believe that without, without some sort of connection to self, capital S self, self, capital T truth, that how can you heal if you don't know the truth of who you truly are and, and the essence of who you are? So my spiritual practice has been, you know, the the icing on the cake, I always say. So all of those things combined, yeah, after a decade, I finally went into remission. I have had two flare-ups after having my kids. Um, the so, And this is why, you know, I, I always say that I'll always have an underlying autoimmune condition. And if, if, if I am out of that maintenance for too long, where there's too much stress on the body, the exhaustion from, you know, <laughs> birth and exhaustion from, you know, the not sleeping and the breastfeeding and all the hormones obviously had an impact, but it gave me even more for the first time was really hard after I had my son. Um, it lasted for 10 months that flare up. And, and at that stage I was like, mm. oh shoot, like, am I, is this, have I got, has it come back? Is that it? Because it was 10 months, you know, it wasn't going away. Is it just coming back? Is that it? And and that's my life now. And I'm just this disabled mother. Is that what's going to happen? But it was such a great thing that it happened because it reminded me, I will always have an underlying autoimmune disease and I always have to maintain it. And I like to preface mm-hmm. at this point, as I blow my nose again. You remind me of my friend, Karen Cinnamon, who's also, who's been on the show and who's also a, um, a British Israeli Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, amazing. Oh my God, she's amazing. Actually, her handle is Your Jewish Life. Um, and I feel like you guys would love her. Um, okay, we would love each other. Me. But she's the same. She's like Israeli, but also, but British. So there's like so many saris that it's just like, what? what you're, you're just a, you're, you're allowed to be a person, just a person. I, I lived in, in London for um, a semester to study like theater because that's where you study theater. Oh my God. I'm so jealous. And the amount of saris walking down the street, it's like, yeah, yeah. From, it's funny, okay, isn't from, it? a, from a New Yorker's perspective. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm a New Yorker. My parents are Israeli. Like we're not saying sorry. You know what yeah, I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. Like, we're sorry. like blowing our nose and we're, and we're moving on. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of sorry it's like walking down the street sorry 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 it's like it's really sweet I'm I'm gonna come visit you but go on I love you so much this is but this it is, is, it is funny you're right because my like the Israeli side of me is like, but I think it's nice to have had a balance because you know Israelis are really ballsy and sometimes we need to bring it down a bit and like have some manners and you know but yeah English people are, are really funny like that and we me and my mum always laugh, like if there's a really long line for something, like in England, typical thing is that everyone will line up in one line because they see everyone's there, but you'll be like, there's another line there that no, like there's another cashier open and no one's standing there. So me and my mum are like, oh my God, they're so English. Let's just go and stand there. Such a typical English that people don't want to make the wrong choice and offend anyone. It's very funny. Anyway. Yeah, it's very, <laughs> it's very endearing if you ask me. I like okay, it. Good. We were up to the part where where you were telling us about um, your postpartum experience, which of yes. course makes sense for anybody listening who's curious about motherhood or has experienced motherhood. We all can nod our heads and be like, "Of course, that makes sense." Ten months is a long time, yeah. and it's unfortunate, and I'm sure it was pretty scary. But 
you know, I'm sure mm -hmm. it, it makes sense in hindsight for you too, right? It's a really incredible output to put human life in the world. And the fact that you could breastfeed is incredible. Well, it's all just incredible. I have to tell you, I have had two water baths, one at home. I have been through a lifetime of illness and breastfeeding was the hardest part of all of it. But I made a commitment <laughs> because... I, I so I had damaged milk ducts and I didn't even know um I and that was all that was all part of it as well I had to have the chemo drug deformed my breasts so one grew two sizes to a double d while I was on the drug and one remained a b so a few years later we have the national health service which in some ways yes we're lucky in some ways it's a bit of a nightmare but the national health service is essentially free healthcare and you they offered for me to have um a breast augmentation surgery because it was the drug that did it to me so I had that which now I've gone on this whole journey of like breast implant illness and what that has done to me and I've had them removed and I've got a whole podcast I've got two podcast episodes about that actually on my podcast but that's a whole other story but it damaged my milk ducts and I didn't realize because they said to me yeah you'll be able to breastfeed no problem and I had my son and oh my God, the pain I went through. I had mastitis seven times. It was horrendous, but I carried on, not because I'm a martyr and you know, everyone's like, you don't need to be a martyr. You've got formula, like you can give formula. I knew, like with all my, my, my learning and my studies over the, the decade before that, that it was essential to me more than anything else that I strengthened my children's immune systems from day one. And that begins with the gut microbiome. And for me, that began with how I was giving birth and breastfeeding. So I made a decision to just work my way through it. And again, I don't want people to think, you know, oh, she's a martyr and she's trying to, it wasn't about that. It was about me knowing what my childhood was and wanting to give my kids the very best options possible. So for me, that meant pushing through breastfeeding when it got really, really hard. And after a few months, it, you know, three, four months, it started getting easier. And then I loved my breastfeeding journey. And I breastfed my daughter for two years. And it was the same with her. I thought, oh, you know, the milk ducts have been opened from him. It will be fine. No, it was even harder. <laughs> um, but I can't, yeah, I breastfed her for two years and I miss it every day now. I loved it so much. It was mm. such a huge part of my motherhood so um but yeah I think like all those hormones and everything that happened just contributed to me having a flare-up and it wasn't easy but it was a great lesson to remind me that I needed to continue maintaining my health and my well-being and find ways to do that without overwhelm because as a mother now how am I going to fit in all these practices and all these things I need to do and so that's also been kind of an education figuring out how to do self-care without it being this overwhelming, overriding thing that just kind of eats you up, you know? And I'm really about balance. I do, have been in times where I've been extreme with diet and extreme with everything because I had to be to get to that place of healing. And now, I mean, I'm extreme in some people's eyes um, with the things that I do, you know, for our health. I'm curious to know what the things you do that are extreme, but I think what's most helpful probably for people who are listening are probably the, the things that are more attainable or right. accessible. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm open to either share, either or both, you know. Well, what do you do to strengthen their immune system in your own? 
yeah, let's find like a middle ground there. So the middle ground is we mitigate where we can, right? So my idea is that I want to to do everything I can to ensure that my children remain healthy, right? As all mums do. From my background, I know that my children are genetically susceptible to or genetically predisposed to autoimmune diseases. So I have educated myself on how the best ways to try and avoid that. So and I what I what I said um with we mitigate where we can is we can't control everything. I can't control the pollution outside my house. I can't control the 5G masts going up everywhere. I can't control what they eat at school or at parties. But where I can, I do what I can to provide the healthiest options possible while while it's still feeling nice for them without me being like, right, here's mm. a breakfast of vegetables and off you go to school. And, you know, it's not like that at all. But I do things like, so if you want to, you want me to go through a few of the things that you asked. So let's see. Um, so I make them a smoothie in the morning uh, and it tastes yum. <laughs> the recipe's on my website for anyone who wants it. Um, it's, it tastes like dates oh, great. And, you know, banana and peanut butter and all that. But I add loads of superfoods in. So, for example, medicinal mushroom powders, maca powder for energy and cognitive function, um, beetroot powder and other polyphenols for uh, antioxidant for detoxing basically antioxidants greens powders um all stuff like that uh, magnesium because our kids really need magnesium so they start their day like that i give them omegas i swear by omega threes cod liver like a really good quality cod liver oil absolutely swear by it um, I think that it is so a lot, our bodies can't absorb the fat soluble vitamins A, D and K without having enough omegas. And our kids really need A, D and K um, a lot. So it's, you can give them all the vitamin D that you want, which really we shouldn't supplement that much, but they can't absorb it without the right fats in their bodies. So I do that. I rub magnesium on their legs every other night. Um, transdermal magnesium is more easily absorbed than any other magnesium for kids. We have systems around, around the house to um, reduce the effects of EMFs, electromagnetic frequencies from Wi-Fi and 4G and stuff like that. So if we turn off the Wi-Fi at night. Um, we have, I can see, do you want to ask a question? Because I can see what I'm nodding. <laughs> I love it. Yes, yeah. I think that's so cool. I want to know how you mitigate 5G because I just feel so powerless. You know, my my um, sort of nervous system response is like a quick fight or flight and then I'm in freeze, you know. And when it comes yeah, to yeah. these sorts of things, um, it's I'm so glad you, you've done the work for us so that we could just click a button. <laughs> because yeah. I would love to mitigate the 5G and Wi-Fi stuff in my kids' brains, you know? I, how do you yeah. do, what, what do you do? You turn, it, you turn it off at night, but what about So I turn the, the Wi-Fi off at night. You have devices? Um, yeah. So firstly, yeah, we turn the Wi-Fi off at night because it's really important to, um, to remember that it is the mitochondria in the cells that keep us healthy. Those mitochondria need to renew. They renew at night right? They rejuvenate themselves at night. We repair, essentially our bodies repair at night and we cannot repair with EMFs in the mix because they are interfering <sighs> with our own electromagnetic field. So it's, it's actually way more of a problem than we think it is. So like I say, we can't control all of it, but what we can control, I do. So we have a mechanism in the home called the Summer Vedic, 
um, or anything I recommend, by the way, anything I believe in, it's all on my website so that people can find it easily. Um, and some of it you can get in the US. So, um, so that's cool. Um, and it also, so we have that and that really greatly reduces EMFs in the home. And then I have Shungite pyramids everywhere. So I don't know if you can see behind me that there's a pyramid over there. Um, that's made from shungite and I wear lots of shungite. So I have a shungite bracelet, um, magnetite bracelet. I have shungite on the back of my phone. Um, so we do stuff like that. We have black tourmaline in all the, on the, all the window sills to prevent as much coming in as possible. So, um, wow. that's kind of what we do for EMFs and we do a, li- a lot of detox. So the idea is that all these, um, environmental stresses cause our bodies to, taken a lot of heavy metals a lot of things that the body can't eliminate efficiently one of the things I learned in my journey and it was really the last kind of final missing piece in my wellness was I learned about epigenetics and I learned that I had a gene mutation called MTHFR and about me seven, too you got it you got it oh. oh babe I got it I did a whole film about epigenetic epigenetics I mean you did I like I got yeah I have MTHFR I have like I also have uh, hypothyroidism I used to have PCOS but that cleared up um but MTHFR what a bummer yeah tell us more about it I'm sure there are a bunch of people who have it yeah well about 70% of us have it um they used to say 40% but we now know that it's about 40 uh, 70% of us um the scary, scary thing is that doctors don't have a clue. OBGYNs do not have a clue. And I've got an article on my website called um, MTHFR. The, uh, I can't remember the exact title. The the gene mutation that could be damaging your unborn baby or something like that. Now, do, do not fear. I like to come with solutions. Not fear. Not fear. The idea is that when I learn about MTHFR, I realized that I could then take the steps to knowing that I could help have healthy pregnancies that it was contributing to miscarriage um, and a whole range of other stuff, but I could manage that. Solutions, people, solutions. So when you've got MTHFR, it's it's kind of a complex thing. And at the same time, I'll explain it really simply. Your liver cannot detox, essentially. Um, we can't methylate vitamins and, and nutrients. So if we take something like folic acid in the synthetic form, which is what the standard obstetrician will give you, If you've got MTHFR, your liver will go, no, 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 no. And your liver will convert it into a toxin. It cannot absorb it or convert it into the vitamin that it needs to give it to the baby. The same with other B vitamins, like vitamin B12. So we need to get them in not the synthetic forms, but the methylated forms. So if you're taking folic acid or you're planning on having a baby, Stay away from synthetic folic acid and instead find um, prenatal supplements that use methylfolate, the methylated version. Um, And the same with vitamin B12. You want to be looking for methylcobalamin. And a lot of people report feeling a lot better, especially people who have low vitamin B12 and they get B12 shots or stuff, when they start taking methylcobalamin, when they start taking methylated B vitamins. So that's like a huge thing to know. I take um methylated b shots and a d shot and i have to tell you that like i went from i was like some there were some days where i thought am i dying like i'm so tired 
is this it? Is it, is it over for me? <laughs> I got this B shot, got this D shot. It was methylated, of course, because I can't methylate. And I'm like, oh, I, I wasn't burnt out. I wasn't depressed. I was like suffering from a vitamin depletion and deficiency. Yeah. I'm hearing now that also like there's some that I was also probably circulating some toxins. Yikes. Yeah. But I felt it. I felt it. We circulate a lot of toxins when we have MTHFR and also because we, we can't detox them effectively, right? And, and there's there's a few variants of it, but essentially you've got the heterozygous and the homozygous. The heterozygous is a bit easier to manage and the homozygous is a bit harder and you're more likely to have hypothyroidism and you know stuff like that if you've got the homozygous um variant um so yeah basically it's you need to focus on living as clean a life as you can because you have to think that with everything you eat or consume or drink or anything that is chemical that is a toxin your body can't detox that effectively Again, it's not the end of the world. When I was diagnosed with arthritis in 1986 and the homeopathic dietitian told my mum to stop giving me gluten and commercial dairy and fluoride and toothpaste, she was like, you tell me where to go to find this stuff. There was no, there was no, hardly any substitutions like gross goat's milk and just some disgusting toothpaste that tastes like paint. Now we have everything. So really it's not that hard. We just need to eat whole foods that are organic and treat our bodies with respect and just stop putting chemicals mm. in our bodies. That's really it. You know, I know that for some people listening, it is extreme. Like you were saying, this is, this can be extreme. And I think that there, there, um, there is value in just noting that like for some body, some bodies are more sensitive than others. Yes. And my, my body is one of those, you know, for a long time, I would be really almost allergic to this type of conversation where I'd be like, I can't live up to that ideal. And, and sometimes I can't, by the way, Lauren, I can't live up to that. Sometimes ideal. I, and I, I don't, but I, okay, fine. But I, but I really can't. But anyway, I'm sure you really can't too. Sometimes I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that for face value. But I, I also just, I think there is value in a reckoning. Like if, I'm a person with MTHFR and these hypothyroidism, et cetera. If there's a person listening who does struggle with their mental health or clarity or their um, energy, it's nice to know that there are solutions and that yeah. maybe the person listening and likely because a lot of the people who listen are like me, sensitive. A lot of people who are sensitive, by the way, artistically emotionally, et cetera, are also have sensitive bodies. So I think there's value to affirming that, yeah, it can feel extreme in a world where like, you know, why don't we just go have some burgers at McDonald's and why can't we make things easier and everyone pasteurizes milk and all of that. Yeah, it can feel extreme. And for some people, this is absolutely necessary. And to that person, I'm wrapping my arms around you and saying, I'm so glad that Lauren is here and that she's a resource for us. And that a point of reference that, you know, healing, vibrant healing is absolutely possible. It is. I, I, I truly believe it is. And also, you know, don't forget, it took me 20 years to get to this point. 
I started when I was 18, I'm 39 now, you know? So from going from starting with a bit of nutrition and figuring out deficiencies to, you know, full on EMF mitigation devices in my house and making non-toxic cleaning products and using non-toxic skincare and stuff like that. But we do, we do have so much more access to it now. We've got the access to the information, which I know even the information could be overwhelming because we're living in a time of just so much information. I like to give this um this this crazy little statistic that we take in more information in one day in 2023 than a person in the 1700s took in in their entire lives. So mm-hmm. it's not that there's anything mm-hmm. wrong with us or for being overwhelmed. It's that our brains literally have not evolved yet to be able to absorb and manage this level of information. So it's okay if everything I'm saying is a little bit overwhelming. One step at a time. What's the first thing you can do? What speaks mm-hmm. to you the most? You know, I always think connecting with nature is a great mm. place to start. Commit to going on a walk in nature, being barefoot in nature even mm. for like 20 minutes a day. That's a great place to start. When you connect with nature, you connect back to the truth of your body. If that's all you do for the next mm. month, great. Make that start. I also have to say that like, um, for me, I was used to be feeling ill for a long time, mm. particularly um, through the pandemic and having af- after having my daughter. Um, and I just sort of normalized that experience. And it took me a many, many, tr- many, many tries, many, many tries. Um, I do feel much better now. And like, w- one of the things that I stuck to first was um, non fluoride tooth- toothpaste. Huge, huge. And like, it was just, it was just one thing, you know, yeah. like, it was all I could do for a while, you know, and it really did alleviate some of that heaviness. Because, you know, for me, I couldn't, my body couldn't handle that fluoride. And I don't, I don't know that it's healthy for everyone, but I'm not a doctor. I don't know. But um, I know for sure that was like one small step that I could take to just lifting that burden for myself. Right. And then it it allowed me to get more curious and contact you. And, you know, I I don't know that I I can do all of it, but like the idea of like rubbing uh, magnesium in my, my children's legs, like I know the effects of magnesium i i've experienced that so i i could get behind that you know maybe yeah. that's my next my next upgrade and let me tell you all of it all all at once no exactly one thing at a time and let me tell you why fluoride affects you so much because you are a sensitive person and you are emotionally connected fluoride's a neurotoxin and it calcifies the pineal gland yeah the pineal gland is the seat of consciousness, the third eye is right. That's where it's located in the third eye, you know? Um, and it, 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 when we disrupt the pineal gland, we disrupt our endocrine system, our hormones, everything. And if you are a sensitive person, especially, that is going to be disrupted. So I always see it more in highly sensitive people or people with MTHFR, yeah. um, people with underlying autoimmune conditions, um, than other people. And that's not to say that it doesn't build up in everyone, um, but it just takes a lot longer to notice it in people who have more robust immune systems. Um, but yeah, all mm. those things are, are great places to start. And, and I just think, you know, making a commitment to being, just eating a bit better, you know, just, just 
Mm. Improving diet, just going for the organic food, right? And I and I know that it costs more, and it's difficult. And we're in privileged positions where we can probably go out and buy organic food, and that's you know, I know that that's a privilege. Equally, just looking at where we can. So I don't I don't get my hair done, for example. I don't go and get my nails done. I don't mm-hmm. I, I I don't buy expensive shoes or handbags or anything like that. I prioritize my health. Right, supplements, superfoods, mm. like these are the things that I prioritize. And and I just think that if we kind of get back to that and also get back to the idea that life isn't always meant to be fit into this convenient box of, you know, food needs to be, it needs to come in a packet ready for us to eat and medicine needs to be the same, then it's realigning our expectations, I think. I appreciate it because I can very often feel overwhelmed and by the way I can often feel like I'm privileged and what would happen if I didn't I couldn't get organic and etc but I I want to just say to the person who can afford it and I also don't put my money on you know doing my hair or nails or things like that just because that's not where my value is at this moment in time but if we do have privilege we must use it wisely there is right. it is actually hurting our planet and other people look at ourselves and by the way we do matter but it's also hurting other people when we choose to suffer right um and we don't choose to honor ourselves this is an ongoing thing for me like you know transparently like it's an, it's 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 a matter of confidence really it's a matter of self-worth but I'll say it out loud. I'm worth it. You're worth it. You, dear listener, are worth it. You're worth the effort. I'm wondering where we can continue to learn from you, Lauren. I love following you on Instagram and listening to your podcast. And um, I'm going to go ahead and check out your website. But maybe you can tell us what's up next for you and where exactly we can find you. Absolutely. So yeah, you mentioned my Instagram, I post a lot of reels there, um, easy ways to kind of implement this stuff in, in your life. Um, I have my, my most, most powerful offering is my Recondition Your Life Academy. So what I realized was that there isn't just one, if we want to heal one part of ourself, we have to heal the whole self. And there didn't seem to be anything out there that combines all aspects of self, healing the, all aspects of self into one which is why it took me a decade, because I had to go on such a journey to find all of them. Mm. And I don't want other people to have to spend that long. Most people give up because it's too overwhelming to, you know, I just can't find the, and this didn't work and that didn't work. And now I don't know what to do. So I decided to put everything I'd learned about healing the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual into one place. So the Recondition Your Life Academy involves everything from inner child healing to shadow work to trauma work self-love divine feminine neuroplasticity um, purpose work I teach manifestation meditation health optimization everything you can imagine we do bi-weekly coaching calls on the Facebook group you do it alongside a tribe of other women which is beautiful we've got like an amazing global community of women going through this program and we are about to open enrollment for that next week or when this comes out probably this week um so mm-hmm. um i i think you you'll have the link for that so we can hopefully put that in the show notes or you can just go to my website and um it's under offerings and um 
yeah, that's kind of, that's my most powerful offering. I also have the Female Entrepreneur Academy for any female entrepreneurs out there who want to take a more holistic approach to running your business. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have membership programs. So, um, and yeah, obviously my podcast, I talk about everything within the realms of wellness and inner growth. So there's lots of different resources. Lauren, I'm so impressed with your extensive output. I mean, it's like wild, all of this, these offerings and such a testament to your physical well-being your emotional steadiness and your relational health. You know, I think what you're doing is so powerful. I love getting to know you. Thank you for all you do. Thank you for all of your blow. Thank you for blowing your nose and reminding us that we don't have to be perfect. You're so welcome. I'm so glad I got to blow my nose on your show. (laughs) (laughs) If I could Perfect blow my timing. nose on anyone's Hebrew, show, Daniela, it would be yours. That's Oh, thank you so much. I love it. <laughs> All right, friends. See you soon. I'm Daniela Rabani on Instagram. That's where we can have um, deeper conversations. That's actually where I, I met Lauren. And um, I'll check you guys out. You'll check me out. Yeah, that's what's going to happen. You're going to come back next Tuesday. Yeah, that's it. Um, and I look forward to it. Okay, bye, bye, bye. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Mom Curious Podcast. My name is Daniela Rabani. I am your host. And I would love to continue this conversation at Daniela Rabani on Instagram. And if you'd be so kind to rate and review, share this podcast, I would be just really grateful. Catch you next time, every Tuesday on the Mom Curious Podcast. Produced by Hoff Studios. You can find them at Hoff Studios on Instagram as well. All right, have a great day.